planning for the last year of your life. We all eventually pass away. By planning ahead, though, you can make sure the last year of your life will be as good as it can be. I'm Howard Kaplan. Joining us, as always, today on On Air with Myrick O'Connell is our good friend, elder law attorney, Arthur Bergeron. Welcome back. Howard, it's always wonderful to be back. So the first question this is a very interesting topic that I think a lot of people don't really think about until perhaps it's too late. How can I keep control of the way I am treated if I get frail? That's a, you know, it's a great question, and there are kind of a, a number of pieces to that answer. But the, the, most, the most important piece is you, you want to make sure that if you are frail and you can't, as a result of being frail, really be making decisions for yourself, right? Because you really, your goal is really always to be making the decisions that you want to be making and to keep control of those decisions. But if you're in a situation where you can't because you have a cognitive problem, because you are in a coma, because for any number of reasons, you want to make sure that somebody is there who knows the way that you think about these decisions and therefore can make those decisions for you. And, who, and, and you want to make sure that that somebody has the power to do that, right? And, and if that's the case, that means you need somebody who can make legal decisions for you, um, who is designated in, a, in your power of attorney, and somebody who can make medical decisions for you, healthcare decisions, who is designated in your healthcare proxy. So the two documents empower that person to deal with the outside world, to deal with doctors and nurses, to deal with, in the case of the power of attorney, with your bank and with, and with insurance companies and all these other people. But in, in addition to that, you really want to have had a conversation with that person or those people, because often those are two different people, regarding what you would find to be important during those times. And, and ideally, you want to have written some of that stuff down just in case they forget to the extent that it's clear how you want to be treated, you want to get it all written down. And then finally, you know, you want to make sure that your assets are in you know, such a situation so that if you need resources during that last year, people can have the resources, can get to the resources necessary in order to take care of you. And Arthur, what if I need home care when I get frail and how can I pay for it? That's one of the two or three things that that seniors, the people I deal with all the time, lose the most sleep about because they're really, you know, they think about this. Of course, we all think about it. You know, I'm 71. I have a sister who is 85. I'm the youngest of six. I have a sister who is 85. She's now in a nursing home. Hmm. And she's actually physically very in very good shape, but she has some, some real serious memory issues. I have a sister who was going to be 87 this year well, who just died. And oh, so she went through. I'm sorry. So she had a kind of a. It was, so she had a much, thank you. So, so she had, a, you know, it was a much shorter, the last year of her life, the, the bad part of it ended up being very short. She was living a great life and at home and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, you know, oh, she had a, having trouble breathing and they ran to the doctor and, oh, there's a spot on your lung and you're probably going to be able to live for another six months. And then she died in about three weeks, you know, and mm. we all think that that's how we're going to die. Or we all kind of hope that we're going to actually, we all hope that we're going to simply fall asleep and not wake up. Right. But at least we hope that when we die, it's going to be short. In this case, my sister was still very aware until the day she died and was able to connect with some of her seven children 
from around the country through Zoom. It's this wonderful thing now. You can actually talk to them. Oh, my goodness. But, you know, but she was able to do all of this stuff on her own, you know. Um, She had daughters that were around, but she was able to keep in charge. My other sister can't. I mean, she just can't. She doesn't have the, you know, she's a wonderful person and very social, but she doesn't have the ability at this point to be in charge, right? So stepping back to the home care question, you also, if there are particular people that you think are going to be able to help you, you know, then, then you want to be talking to them about that and make sure that your daughters or your whoever are, are all on board with, with the fact that they're going to be available. And you want to make sure that you have some resources available for home care. And if that means if you have a lot of savings, well, then the savings can be used for the home care. If you have a long-term care insurance policy, well, then the insurance is going to cover it. If you don't have those two things, or if you don't think there's enough, but you own your home, then you may want to make sure that whoever, if you really need the care, somebody can tap into the value of your home because you have a reverse mortgage in place or because you have a home equity line of credit in place, some way that this value can be used during the last year of your life. It being understood that at that point, you know, the, the real goal, if the real goal is to be staying at home, you're, basically you're just using some of the value of your home to keep you at home, which is exactly what you wanted, right? So there are all of those things that you need to figure out. question, Arthur. What is the Medicare hospice benefit? This is one of those benefits that just does not get used nearly enough. By virtue of being on Medicare, and that probably includes every one of your listeners who is listening to this show because they're a senior, is that they are on either straight Medicare A and B or there's a Medicare Advantage plan. Every one of those people can take advantage of the hospice benefit, which means It's basically a free benefit, right? It's just part of your Medicare package. So if you are on Medicare and your doctor certifies that given your current condition and the trajectory of your current condition, it is likely that you will die in the next six months, then you're entitled to the Medicare hospice benefit, which includes some home care. It includes physical therapy. It includes skilled nursing care that can help you, whether you're at home, like in your house, or in an assisted living, this benefit is even available to you as an additional benefit if you're in a nursing home, right? Hmm. And it goes beyond that. It includes, you know, help with coordinating your folks, the folks that are providing care for you, the family members that are providing care, and providing counseling to them. After you die, it includes bereavement assistance for the folks that are trying to be dealing with all this stuff. So it's a wonderful set of benefits. But the key is the benefits are there. Hospice is not about the last day of your life. I mean, it can be. But the hospice benefit is really designed for taking care of a whole set of things once you are in the position where the goal of your medical care is not to try to make you get better because you know that that's not where you are in your life. That whatever you have, you're not, you're not trying to get better. You're not trying to get cured. Right. What you're trying to do is have is enjoy every day, is make every day of your life be as good as it can be. Because right. you only die, at, not even on a day, you die in a second. 
There's a moment that you're alive, and then there's a moment when you're not. So the goal of a lot of this thinking and the goal of the hospice benefit is to not focus on that moment of your death, but to focus on life and to try to make every one of those days of your life as good as it can be. And I'm just going to mention one other thing. 25% of people who are on hospice end up getting off of hospice because they actually do get better. Really? So I've had a number of clients who, once they're on hospice, their daily life gets much better. So it's it's just a terrific benefit. I can't say enough about the hospice benefit. So you should look into it, think about it, and learn about it so that you're not thinking about, you're not falling into the usual trap where nobody says wants to say the word hospice, and therefore nobody brings it up until you're practically dead, until it's like two days before you die. I think, yeah. I think the median period that people get the hospice benefit for is something like seven days or something. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And by the way, the hospice benefit can be extended. So if you start getting the hospice benefit based on this diagnosis from your doctor, if at the end of that period you haven't died, the doctor can simply extend that. The, the doctor would need to sign something to extend that in these six-month increments, like forever. Well, not forever, until you die. I don't think most people realize this about hospice care. Hmm. This is fascinating. It's really important. But that's the reason why the benefit isn't used. People typically think about it as being you know, the, the almost after you've gone over the threshold of death's door, that's yeah. what you're trying to talk about. That's wrong. It's, it's the point at which, think of it that way, it's the point at which you've decided that you're going to live the rest of your life, that you're not trying to get back to some kind of magical, you know, pre-sickness day or a day when, you know, five years ago when you were much younger or whatever, right? You're just trying to live the rest of your life as well as you can. And the hospice benefit can help you do that. At yeah. no cost. Right. At no cost. It's right. a Medicare benefit. Right. Wow. wow. And Arthur, are there any other Medicare or mass health benefits that may help me when I get frail? So there are a couple. One that many, many people aren't aware of is the kind of the standard Medicare package, including covering hospital care and covering a, a, a fairly short time or a, up to 100 days in a nursing home uh, if, you, if you need it for rehab, will also cover skilled care at home as well as equipment at home if your doctor says that you need it and if the doctor is certifying that and you're certifying that you're homebound. In other words, that you're not in the physical condition to be going to the hospital or to your doctor's office, but typically to the hospital to get rehab or to get examination from the nurse or whatever. So once again, people typically think about what Medicare does or what Medicare pays for as you go to the hospital and then you get discharged. And then as part of that discharge, there's typically a discharge plan, which includes having the nurse or sometimes a physical therapist come to your home. And that's the Medicare benefit. So people don't realize that without ever going to a hospital, you can become eligible for this benefit. You should talk to your doctor about it. Or you should talk to, you know, your area VNA, the Visiting Nurses Association, since they're the ones who are doing all of this. The services provided through this benefit need to be provided by uh, Medicare-qualified providers, which are typically nursing organizations that will go into your home. Once again, if you're in the last year of your life and you are 
wanting to stay at home, which most people do. You know, the statistic is that 80% of people say they want to die at home. 20% of people do die at home. Uh, and the reason is because they get kind of, I don't want to say sucked into the system, but they, they just find themselves, once, you know, when you're getting sick, you're just in the hospital or you're in a nursing home or whatever, as opposed to consciously try to figure out how you can stay home. And that's a part of this planning for the rest of your life or planning for the last year of your life. If you're conscious about it and you think about it ahead of time, then you can kind of learn about what these other services are. You can say that your hope is to stay home until you die, but, you know, hope isn't a plan. If, right. if you really want to be at home, you need to figure out how to stay at home. And this, and this, this benefit, this, this, I always think of, think of it as the 60-day benefit, this homebound benefit, Medicare benefit, is really important. The other kind of major program that can help you stay at home is the program that you would be eligible for to pay for a lot of your nursing home care if you were in a nursing home. Uh, it's a program designed specifically for that, to, to help people who would otherwise qualify for nursing home care because they either had a lot of cognitive problems or they just needed physical assistance with things like dressing and toileting and eating and stuff. It's there to help people stay home, and it's called the Frail Elder Waiver. It is a program where if you qualify for it and MassHealth starts paying for some benefits for you at home, MassHealth is going to be able to try to recover those payments after you die, uh, unless prior to that you've transferred all of your assets out to a third party and waited five years. That's the famous five-year look-back period. Or unless you have a spouse uh, so that you could transfer the assets to the spouse right away and then qualify immediately for the program. So once again, in terms of planning for the last year of your life, if you're thinking that you don't have the other resources that might cover your home care, and that you want to make sure that that home care is available, then you do need to plan for that if you're single. An alternative way of planning for it is to get married. I tell clients this regularly, my, my 85-year-old clients who are with I said, well, you know, you can always solve this five-year look-back period problem by getting married. Nobody takes that. <laughs> Nobody. So, so if you want to stay single, but you also want to protect things, for that last year of your life, which is typically the most expensive year of your life, yeah. then you really need to do some planning ahead of time for that. Two things that you said that really resonate with me is hope is not a plan. Because I think so many people think, well, eh, I'll do it at some point. I hope it works. And that the last year of your life is the most expensive year. I think so many folks yeah. forget that. So we've been talking with Arthur Bergeron. Our topic today has been planning for the last year of your life, things that uh, people don't always think about, but you know, you really should. If folks have questions or concerns about this topic or any area of elder law, how can they contact you? The uh, easiest way is to just call me, 508-860-1470. I'd be happy to talk to them over the phone. I'd be happy to get together with people. As you know, Howard, I love giving advice. So I'm happy to do that. You can also email me at abergeron, A-B-E-R-G-E-R-O-N, at myrickoconnell.com, M-I-R-I-C-K-O-C-O-N-N-E-L-L.com, and I'll be happy to respond. Well, until next time, I'm Howard Kaplan. Take care and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Myrick O'Connell. It is intended to inform you of developments in the law and to provide information of general interest. It is not intended to constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. This podcast may be considered advertising under the rules of the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. Mm -hmm.